I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. and welcome back to the crash couch i am your host chris this week we have joel on the podcast joel how are you i am well uh, for uh yeah i got it it's 2021 did they get the year right i think so excellent okay i'm on the ball tonight <laughs> and also returning for his i think second episode of the season maybe we have ernie ernie how are you What's going on, guys? Uh, also, to answer Joel's question, I think 2021 is just 2020 Junior, just so everybody's on board with that one. So, Yeah, I, I think that we all had enough of 2020, so I'm, I'm just so happy that 2021 is here, and I can start fresh, even though it's not really much different. I mean, I guess I can just hope for it, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm on on board with thinking more positively this year and then uh, not falling into the trap, at least, of, you know, being a victim to it, but, you know, doing my own thing for it. So I, yeah. at least I'm, I'm on board with doing new plans this year. So I feel good. I feel good about 2021, uh, you know. I've also decided that I'm going to read more this year. I know that's shocking probably to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, um, is, is April Fool's yet? <laughs> it is not April, no. Um, but I, I actually, because... My problem is that I have so many books, guys. Like, it is ridiculous how many books that I have. And I just keep buying them. And I don't have, like, I never had really enough time the past few years to read a lot. So I have this plan to where I'm just going to start reading a book. And if I don't like it, like, even though I'm a major, like, God, I can't leave anything unfinished. I just got to, you know, finish it and go with it. If if I don't like it, I'm just going to, like, say, oh, well, I tried. Screw it. It's not worth it. So that's funny you say that, too, because I just signed up for my local library and mm-hmm. they have expanse books. And I'm like, yep, they're going on the list. So yep. I'll be joining that club as well, Chris, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure that makes other fans of this podcast laugh because they're probably the readers and they're probably yelling at us when we don't know something yeah. that happened in the book. <laughs> yeah, I know last week we had a conversation about I had mentioned bull. And apparently he is a character that doesn't like – I mean he shows up, but apparently he uh, is not around during this time in like the main storyline in the in the books. And Laura was talking about it, and it's just as funny because you know, it, it's we have some people here that's read books. We have some people that, that's read them multiple times, and then you have me that hasn't – I mean I did start Leviathan Wakes, but then the show came on, and I was like I got to – for the sake of the podcast, I got to prevent myself from reading it. Joel, you're a book reader, right? Yeah, I read all the books. The problem is I read so much and I read a lot for work. If I haven't read it within the last couple of weeks, I will probably forget most of the details. Yep. Yeah, that's why it's actually written down in a book so I can look it up. (laughs) So before we get talking about this week's episode, I want to ask Ernie what you thought about the season so far. Because I think the last time you were on the podcast – we were talking about episode four. So a lot has happened since then. Plenty has happened. But I also noticed uh, a glaring thing that kind of has been missing, I think, 
And right before we hit the record button, we kind of mentioned it. I do feel like there's the tension of politics is missing this season. I really want to know what's going on with Avasarala. I'm I don't know if they cover that more in the books, but I do miss the tension that last year set, you know, where they had the the election happening. I even miss Ehrenreich, you know. That that a-hole really <laughs> did a number uh but he was a great villain, you know, to add to the season. Um but there's something about politics uh in the expanse that I think just adds another layer and I really do feel it's missing. I'm sure they're going to jump back on that wagon here and kind of show us where Avasarala is and kind of the position she's being put in now, especially with what happened with the uh, airplane when the uh, asteroid hit. But it's been really missing a lot, you know, and, and I feel like the politics, weird to say, for, you know, coming from me, but the politics are missing this season. I think the politics are there a bit. You'll see that probably later in the season. But uh you know, it's kind of odd you say that you're tired, like you, know, you want some politics uh, when you're know, on, on the background of real life politics. I think we've all gotten too much politics in our lives right now. And it's, yeah, that's cool. I like it because I like politics. I'm one of those weird people who actually enjoy politics and, and figure things out from there. Yeah, because like, I think when I, when I joined uh, the podcast, that was one of the, I think, the things that kind of drew me in. Uh, I, I remember mentioning things about how it felt like when they were in these spaceships – it was submarine warfare, but in space. And the claustrophobia that that added and the tension that added uh, gave life to the show for me. But in the weird way, the politics kind of did something else in the sense where there is a balance out there. And the balance is, you know, between who should be in power, you know, how much space should everybody have, uh, who controls what. And I feel like those politics really drive a lot of emotion because it's kind of the the producer side of it right like you kind of see the back door of what's actually happening in space and the arguments that are happening and when you think about politics now yeah i mean they're they are tiring uh america is kind of going through this tiring process right now i think everybody's just done with it but for the show i i do think it just adds that layer yeah and it's it's weird because when you think about it like there's a lot of big things going on in like the political spectrum in the universe right now. And we, we had kind of mentioned this off air too, and it's sort of relevant to the whole point of um, this week's episode is we're getting a, a, a huge Naomi episode. And, you know, I don't think that's something that sci-fi would have been able to do, or, or even if, let's assume that Amazon would put put this on TV somehow. I don't think it's something that they would do if they wanted to have consistent ratings. I think it, you can only really do it when you don't really have the the time limit restrictions. You can sit and tell a free-flowing story. You can take time to to spend on long drawn out like character moments and character development um to really set in like an explore an emotional story and like we have a lot going on outside of, you know, Naomi and Alex and Marco and a little bit of Holden now that he's sort of dragged into it. But with Avasarala, like that, that would be a big part of the story, you would think. And it probably is in the books, because I, I imagine that they they sort of weave it all together a little bit, um, you know, more more diversely than you would in this this episode in particular. But yeah, I do. I do miss the politics. I will have to say, uh, I I think they will pop up again. Just 
not because I know what's going to happen, but I just I have that feeling that they there will be an episode here soon before the end of the season that just like really nails that home, maybe makes up for what we were missing. Yeah. And I, another thing I wanted to throw out there that I, I, I definitely want to compliment is, you know, this whole thing with Marco and Naros is very intriguing and it's kind of cool to see it from uh, Naomi's perspective. Because we don't actually see what Marcos is doing. We don't really know what the grand scheme is, right? We just know he's building up this plan. So I like that we're kind of following Naomi's kind of perspective of it with little glimpses here and there of what's going on. That part is kind of cool because it leaves us in the dark as far as, like, you know, Chris and I have not read the books. So that part is kind of cool. And and not to you know, wash it away because I think Dominic Tipper is just doing a fantastic job at, like, touching the emotions of what she's going through and then... The guy playing Marco Inaros, uh, Keanu Alexander, is a perfect fit. There's something about that guy when he speaks makes it feel like he is one of those revolutionary leaders. But I have to say the thing that's probably interested me the most is the thing that we haven't seen, I, I think, in two episodes or so. And that is I want to see more Amos. The thing that we've been missing with Amos is, one, he's he's – He's a badass. Nobody's going to argue that. And I love seeing his moments where he just steps it up. But to see his backstory is is pretty fantastic. And I wanted to bring up a point here where the episode where they they escape the prison, right? And they kind of go through the woods and then they end up <laughs> commandeering this this house that's fenced off. And I like the, the moment where Amos is uh, just kind of his survival skills kick back in, right? Like he's almost back on the street. And just the whole conversation between him and Peaches was hilarious to me because she's like, dude, you just killed people. And he's like, I need to get back to the ship. <laughs> I, you know, the, the whole thing with Amos is, is so complicated because he he did something good in the moment. Right. He saved Peaches from from certain death. You know, the, the whole her implants are working against her and she needed like a moment. And he saved her, you know, and in his thought, he did a good thing. But the moral barometer of what he had to do to save her was pretty immoral. And I just like that he he needs to be somebody who's tethered to the ship, so to speak. He, he needs Holden to kind of keep him in line. He realizes that. And, he, <laughs> and I love that because he, he, he was becoming more of like confident in himself. And then he's like realizing, oh, crap, uh, I should be with Holden. Yeah. And you see that in previous seasons with his uh, relationship with uh, uh, with Naomi, right? He needs a good person to keep him on the straight and narrow of the moral path, right? So he doesn't become a psychopath. And he recognizes that in his character as a fault. So he's very self-aware. And yeah, I think this season, I think Amos is by far my favorite character happening right now. And of course, uh, the CGI is really good too. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I must admit, this episode right there, guys, it's very character-driven. We're talking, of course, episode seven. It's uh, the name of it, of course, is something I cannot pronounce. Oyeding, Oyeding, uh, and I thought there's a lot of dialogue happening. It's almost like we're getting like like scenes from theater, right? You have these dialogues happening between two or three characters, or and it's heartfelt or it's serious dialogue. There's not much room to make jokes in this in this episode, at least. And uh, I think with Naomi, I think we have to look at Naomi in a different uh, with a different lens. 
because she's disclosed some serious stuff in this episode. You know, uh, she mentioned the fact that when Philip was taken away from her, you know, uh, she almost walked out into space. She almost spaced herself because she was feeling such despair. And of course, uh, let's not get into it right now, but look what happened at towards the end of this episode. It's yeah. this, this is a very heavy episode and I thought it was good. And before I forget, I have to say this to you guys. Uh, all you, you know, let's talk about politics bit and what's happening with the UN. Well, you guys are a pathetic, earther loving Walwawa, both of these. <laughs> which, is, like which is what <laughs> Philip calls Naomi uh, when uh, uh, he becomes a daddy boy and not a mommy's boy. Yeah, a pathetic, earther loving Walwala. I kind of got some Star Wars vibes from this episode. And mainly like a, a mixture of like, a little bit of Anakin with a good amount of like Kylo Ren. It kind of reminded me of how, you know, you, you want, you almost want to feel sorry for Philip because I mean, r- regardless of what he's done now, like no, no kid really deserves to be sort of used by their parents as a child. Like even no matter like what happened with Marco or Neo, I mean, like, it's important to keep Phillips like he like he didn't choose to have the life that he did. Now, his current actions and the way that he is pretty much blindly follows his father is a choice. And I mean, I guess you could you could see a little bit where I don't know, he would have a tough time deciding. But it's just as weird that you have him sort of be like this uh like this Kylo Ren figure that we don't really know much of his backstory when he's first introduced. And then the more we learn and we find out that what happened with Naomi and Marco and her backstory here, where he was being hidden from her and then she eventually left and ended up where, you know, we know her to be today. And he almost had like that, that little bit of, redemption in him which I, I think Naomi was able to trigger inside him especially when they were when you know they embraced and he was pretty much just like crying in his in her arms and at that point I thought to myself okay this is either the biggest fake out ever from him or he's legitimately going to like turn or help her out or at least help her escape maybe not you know, maybe sort of accept the type of person he is and accept his life, but he's at least going to help his mom escape. Obviously, that did not happen. But it'll be interesting to see because his last shot of her is going out the airlock. And for all we know, I mean, I haven't seen the tonight's episode that just released, but for all we know, he thinks that she's dead. And, you know, he he might have to have that that thought on his conscience. And, and well, I just have to see. Um, if that affects his decision making at all, you have to admit Naomi looks pretty rough this uh, this season, like physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like compared to other seasons, like it's a great makeup job, it's a great you know, acting, uh, yeah. But she she looks like not very good. Let's just say that this season and every mm-hmm. episode she gets a bit worse and a bit worse and a bit worse. She, just imagine the stress she's under. Because all she wants to do is find her son and have her son love her. 
And there's serious guilt issues happening because the way she uh, she escaped Marco and an abusive relationship and the fact that she wanted to, uh, you know, get away from the violence and from the, the political violence or terrorism, depending on, you know, your point of view, you know, with uh, she was the one who uh, created this Augustian Gamerera uh, code uh, that, uh, you know, killed a whole lot of people. I like what's going on psych- psychologically right now with Philip. I think that uh, I, I'm more interested in that aspect of it. It does seem like there's this tug and pull, and I think it's relatable even for somebody like myself and without giving too much. I think even at my age, I'm almost 40, I still get the feeling like, oh, man, I wish my parents were still together, you know? And I like that he's a little torn between that. And I, you know, I still think that sometimes this uh, character comes out where it's his dad speaking. His dad will forever be his conscience, you know, his that voice that he hears. And I like that psychological warfare that's going on in Philip's head. It's interesting that, like, he was given command right at the end. And that seemed to be more like, well, I'm trying to please dad and, and go back toward the, towards that area. But he he does have a soft spot for his mom and his mom is really being dragged through the mud. Naomi does look terrible in this episode. You're right, Joel. And there's even moments where she thinks she has a step above Marcos in what she says to him. But even Marcos is so well-spoken that he takes that step. Like she, you know, she takes a step forward. He takes two steps in front of her by his responses. You know, there was that moment in the beginning of the episode where they were talking and, she said, well, you know, I know you won't kill me, you know, because you don't want Philip to look at his father as somebody like killed his mom because he'll hate you for it. But then having Marcos be like, no, I just don't want his mom abandoning him again. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> it's just like, ouch. Ooh, ooh, that one hurt. But I, I really like what's going on psychologically. Well, you have to also remember, too, that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am not advocating for Marco here, but. We don't really know, and again, we might. Be, this might be dis- discovered later. It might be in the book. We don't know what Naomi leaving had to do, or like what that. Like, obviously, he wasn't a good person. Like from the start, you could just kind of get that vibe. Like maybe when they were, when they first met, and she talks about how he pretty much just put up a uh, put up a front for the way he acted, and for, like in their relationship. But you, and you don't know what causes him to feel the way he does now. So that's not me advocating for him, but it's just we have to keep that in the back of our mind, too, of he has his reasons and they're probably terrible reasons, too. So it doesn't excuse them at all. But I, I that's something that I hope that we maybe get explored on. Because, I, I, you know, it's you can tell, you know, why he is the way he is sort of. But I want there to be just something that like really just triggered it in him hey like i know it's like your mom it is my you know my my former i guess they were married my former wife and i'm willing to kill her if she acts out again like you 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 have to be some kind of person in order to have that kind of that feeling inside you there was a moment too i feel like really i don't know if they're ever going to touch on what he actually did to her specifically but uh there was a line that she mentioned where she said leaving philip was a lot easier than being with you yeah I, it wasn't something it was something in, the, in that sense here but 
Uh, that was a powerful line that you're willing to leave your kid behind because your relationship is that abusive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty powerful line. And I, I really do credit the writing uh, for this episode because there was a lot of emotional fighting without it being yelling in this episode. Yeah. A lot of a lot of little punches that were thrown that were just like hurt, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and Naomi did try to take Philip with her when, when she left. But uh, you know her old friend, uh, send send the old uh, older guy with the beard, uh, white guy, right, bald guy, right. Uh, he was in it, and this is why you know, they had a conversation. He wanted to make it right uh, with Naomi, but it's him who helped hid Philip on the orders of Marco. So it's like still guilt, like there's still guilt there for Naomi, but she tried and she failed and she lost contact with her son because of it. Again. And the evil, you know, is traced back to Marco. And now, like I like I said uh, earlier too, where it just feels like Naomi is is trying to you know go one step forward. There was that moment where she felt good being in the kitchen again, and kind of reminded her of the Rossi. You know, she's sitting down to eat. She's kind of got a little smirk on her face, and then all of a sudden they had a conversation. It's like boom, back down in the ditches emotionally for her. I, I really, I, actually, that was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode because it was a pretty heartbreaking scene it's like a uh at two brute you know <laughs> moment yeah you know guys i really miss fred johnson just saying <laughs> don't we all you know like what would fred johnson do in these situations oh that's right he's been assassinated you know because we have the whole proto monocle you remember that you know the sci-fi angle on this stuff yeah it's still around <laughs> you know it's funny that you mentioned that Joel, because um, I've been watching the reactions that I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. There's this channel called Blind Wave, and they do reactions to TV shows and movies and stuff. And they just started The Expanse. And I think they're on like episode eight or nine of season one. So they're like really getting into the meat and potatoes of it. And they were talking about it was the, the that one episode where they uh, they go to that ship and uh, I think that's when they first like find the proto molecule. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm like not misremembering. That was a long time ago that I yeah, watched remember, that. What was it? Remember the uh, what's the name of the ship? The can canopy. Uh, the can- uh, Canterbury. Canterbury. Yeah. Was it the Canterbury? Okay. And they were they're like saying, oh, what is this thing? Like, is that some kind of like organism or is it like some kind of like living creature? Like, what is it? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> you just wait. It's funny, too. They're like, oh, maybe this show really does have aliens because they don't know if it's like an alien show or it's like a proper like real world sci fi. And I'm like, well, you just wait. It it uh, reveals itself here soon. Yeah, we got a lot of that from like last season. So I think this season is definitely protomodical light. Yeah, because the real, you know, evil people are, of course, the, you know, the human race. Yeah, I think that's the, the lesson out of all of this. Mm-hmm. Humans suck. Yeah. But then again, you have people like James Holden, right? Like he's been, you know, set for combat for several episodes now, right? When he when he's in the Rosciante, like he's wearing armor. That's a visual thing, right? He's been wearing armor for three episodes. He's he's mad. He's he's motivated. He's going to get Naomi back and the protocol monocle back, and he's going to take on Marco. You're right, and it's also a, a weird situation for him because. You know, he's all like gung ho here to go after the proto molecule and get it back. And then Alex chimes in with Bobby and 
informs him about the um, Mars trading with Marco and getting the that's how he's getting the Navy. And he has to make that difficult decision. Okay, well, you know, let's go ahead and you, Alex, go after Naomi and I'll, you know, continue on after the proto molecule. So that's just like it's weird because Holden really hasn't been featured, I feel like, a ton this season. He's not been thrown to the back but he has more interactions with other characters and i think he's supporting a lot of the 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 secondary cast rather than like driving the main story kind of like how we're used to but i you know maybe that'll um that'll change you know in the next few episodes we have left of the season but it was just really interesting to see in this one how he had to make that that decision because it, it seems like he's always having to think about what he really wants out of his life and what he values most. Yeah. And I remember talking about that, that it's almost like a switch goes on for Holden. Like he needs something to do. He just had some sort of religious experience with the proto molecule and having Miller in his head. Uh, but yeah, it's weird having him take a back seat and push other characters forward. And probably the most interesting moment I think he even had on this episode where he talked about how he didn't trust Fred. He always had a, a moment where, where Fred was playing an angle and, but the same thing came from Fred as well. Like they didn't trust each other, but they relied on each other, which was kind of a weird moment, but it made sense. I do want to see more of Holden, but I I do feel like as far as his character goes, he needs to slow down and think about moments where he goes gung ho because he almost got his shit blown up. But also just to kind of throw a little scientific tidbit that I really liked in this episode as well was, um, he noticed that the the message from Alex and Bobby wasn't delayed, which meant they were kind of in close proximity. That was a cool little scientific moment. Yeah, I like that a lot too. And, and they used it effectively in the storytelling. But just to go back to Holden, he's so focused right now on Naomi and all the other things, right? He has a crewmate right there, Monica Stewart. She's on board. Yeah, she's an attractive woman played by Anna Hopkins. And there's like zero sexual tension between her and Holden. So it's the, I, it's the, I just, just I, I get nothing from that, right? So that speaks a lot about Holden, how he's so focused outwardly. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I really like Monica Stewart's character. Oh, I, you I know, do too. It's just because uh, yeah. a, a few seasons ago, she was really annoying, that annoying um, reporter. But this time, it's, you know, she's got a really important part. But like, I like her feistiness, you know? Mm-hmm. She she jumped on the ship, even though she really can't contribute much. Yeah, you know she's just there to report it and advance her career, if anything. But yeah. I really like her character because she's pretty much even questioning Holden when she needs to question him. You know, she asked him, "What are you going to do with the proto molecule when you get it?" And he's like, "I'm going to blow it up." <laughs> you know, she's <laughs> making sure that the the moral high ground is taken. Whereas, like you know, uh, I guess anybody in media can get a bad rep because sometimes, you know, it, it is all about their career and they'll do things that are probably immoral. But I like that she's she's kind of that moral barometer for him right now, you know, and, and at least focusing him on what needs to be done. And she's also sharing her information, which she receives from, obviously, a source on Tycho Station, right? So she's providing information to Holden, which is affecting his decision making. So she's serving that role as well. I do hope that we get to see more of Holden interacting with characters that's not on the Rossi because I don't know. It's just it's it's refreshing to have a sort of an, a new take on that crew 
especially after five seasons. Like, it's not that I want them to be separated all the time. It would be nice to have them all together again and like, you know, going on a, you know, their, their little adventure and not be always split up. But it is a little refreshing to kind of have somebody else be at that perspective and just, just to see who or how Holden is able to, to, I guess, interact with people that he's not really totally comfortable with. Yeah. See how, and see how they, they respond to him too. Yeah. Cause like the other person that Holden is responding or at least having conversations with is bull and bull is pretty, he's pretty closed and cold. Uh, not a lot of character to him other than he's got like a killer instinct. It looks like, and I like that he has an interaction with Monica, but it's weird to know that the Rossi has crew that doesn't really have any speaking lines and he's not really interacting with them, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a little bizarre, but it's nice when the whole crew is actually in the Rossi, when Naomi's there and, and Alex is there and, you know, they all have some sort of interaction because you can see this family dynamic, good and bad. Families have good and bad dynamics sometimes. So it is it is kind of strange. And it's I, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I noticed that right away where it's, he doesn't have a lot going on and he has some really important parts as well. But it, it'd be nice to see some more dialect from from Holden and and far as far as like character conversations go. Can I just say there was a big space battle towards the end of the episode with Holden, right? You know, we got to see high G burns, the use of crash couches and, you know, juice. There's talk about nine Martian ships, but no, that wasn't it. They were going off the portal article and you see this, you know, really good use of, uh, uh, the rail gun and uh, like a Gatling gun form to, to destroy a whole whack of incoming, uh, torpedoes. Yeah, that was cool. And the spinning maneuver. Yeah, so, the spinning maneuver was awesome. Because of course, <laughs> spin that, that's a that's a good trick. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, and just to throw it out there, if <laughs> nobody caught that, uh, it's a episode one Star Wars response. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when they actually uh, disable the, uh, I can't see the name of the ship. The, it was a Zimaya. Zamaya. And, uh, yeah, of course, they blew the reactor. And the, the line, of course, uh, Hoden said is, of course, that the, the F word. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's fitting. Also, uh, if we could briefly touch on the spacing scene. That was crazy. Oh, that God. was insane, man. <laughs> it, it left me going, oh, God, here we go. Another cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I legitimately thought she was going to kill herself or that there was something that like she had a plan to, I don't know, blow up the ship or something because I read this, uh, I read the description of the episode before I watched it. And it was something along the lines of Naomi makes one last desperate attempt to save Philip or something. And I'm thinking like, what is she doing? And then she goes out. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And it's freaking me out. And then I see that she has that, um, the oxygen the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And which is super weird. And it's funny because one of the authors, Ty, on Twitter has been arguing with people all week about it, about how it's, oh, it's not real and you can't really act. You can't do that. Surely not. And I even saw it in some articles. I'm like, well, I mean, as super crazy as they've been about making sure the science is good in this show, I'm pretty sure it's possible at least. In a in a an ideal situation, even if this was supposed to be less than ideal, I mean it's it's as <laughs> ideal as the authors want it to be. 
I, I feel like I want to argue a point too, like at least just throw it out there. What about the temperature? You know, it's got to be mm-hmm. way below freezing. I don't know. Yeah. It, I, it doesn't seem possible, but I'll go with it. I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> I, I think from all my years of listening to hard science shows and space shows, and of course I'm not a scientist. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just kind of remember you can probably survive about 10 seconds in space because of the temperature. They just made it more dramatic. So uh, according to Wikipedia, no, yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of like yeah, I'm, I'm calling BS on this, but if it was closer. It theoretically might be possible, but it just goes to speak to Naomi's character and her intentions, right? Her motivations to survive, to right. hope, you know, to you can to reconnect with uh, with Philip. Yeah. Well, if, if if it was possible, ah, that's yet to be determined. Was it dramatic? Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and of course, we should talk about uh, Alex and Bobby. Just, just the one line, right? That when Bobby found a bullet in her uh, jacket or her her shirt, right? Okay, and said, you know, and and uh, Alex said, "You were shot," uh, and she replied, "Yeah, a lot." And she then just takes out the bullet. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's the small things, guys. That that gives me. Good I love life. Bobby. I just love Bobby. <laughs> I say that at almost every episode. I think I love Bobby. <laughs> How can you not like Bobby? I think I've seen I've said that multiple times now about her in this season, but she's just so great. It's so nice to see her. Yeah. One thing that I saw and I don't remember, I wish I could remember what the website was that was um, talking about it. But we Wikipedia. see huh? <laughs> oh, <no>. Wikipedia. <laughs> it, it was not Wikipedia. It was some article talking about how for this season and this really isn't to do with this episode, but I just found it interesting this season that. We're getting kind of a view of Earth from somebody's perspective, just like we did in season two with Bobby. And I don't know. I think that's that's a really interesting parallel, I guess, because you know, I don't I don't know what you guys thought of season two since you weren't around for um, the podcast back then. But I loved all the time that Bobby's been on Earth and just seeing for the first time, us really get get away from the space, the space exploration, the, this and the space scenes. It was just nice to see um, see it then, and I think it's kind of giving me that same feeling now. Uh, not because I'm tired of them being in space, because it's not like they've been doing that the whole time, but it's just it's a it's weird to think think about like an alternate Earth, and I don't know. It just fascinates me. Yeah, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. I didn't pick up on that, but now that you say it, yeah, that's beautiful. And by the way, that just Warms my heart a little bit, Chris, because I realize that you get to uh, experience my crazy as far as like fandom goes, because you're the person I text right away. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. I remember watching those episodes and texting you. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's the first time Bobby saw the ocean, right? And now yeah. in this season, the ocean has become a, you know, a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. So it's it's neat, especially this this TV show, you know, the streaming show that expands. There's always these contrasts going on, and it's excellent. And sometimes you really have to think about what they're doing because they're always standing things on their head. I love it about this show. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to want to say about this one before we before we log off? On to the next episode, which I'm excited to watch tonight. So yes, uh, I uh, I'm going to finish recording this and then probably immediately go over to my couch and turn on the episode. <laughs> Your crash couch. My crash couch, yes, my crash couch. 
That See was almost as good as uh, as Joel's pun from last week. I don't remember what it was, but it was a good one. Oh, my God. I just did a Joel pun. <laughs> I did. Oh. did. <laughs> oh, we got to sign off. Let's get off. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is a good way to end it. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find the podcast Twitter at Crash Couch. I am on Twitter at The Curse of Chris. Before I ask for Joel and Ernie's uh, social media, I do want to say just if you wouldn't mind, go on iTunes or whatever it's called these days and leave us a nice five-star review. I don't care. You know, you can say that you just love the expanse and you're just doing this because Chris asked you to, but it would make me really, really happy if you would do that. Even just one, just one person. That's like all, all I need. Just one person, leave a nice five-star review and I'll be happy for, I don't know, at least until we get another negative one. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) all right and with that joel (laughs) what is your uh what is your social media accounts these days yeah so i'm on twitter at my first name j-o-e-l underscore welch which is my last name which is spelled w-e-l-c-h what about your podcast oh right i do have a podcast sorry uh it's working mostly. No, <laughs> I, I'm on a podcast called the Sci-Fi Pubcast. I, I do that with some other fine folks. Uh, it's basically we have discussions like in a bar style about themes and product, uh, properties and science fiction and pop culture. Episodes are released every two to three weeks. You can also find that on YouTube. So there you go. Check it out. Stop by the old pub. And I want to say, too, that Joel puts episodes of Crash Couch on his YouTube channel as well. So if you're somebody that wants to listen to the podcast on YouTube, go ahead. Find it there. Also, Ernie, what is your Instagram? Because I know you don't have Twitter anymore. No, I don't. Just Instagram. Uh, you can find me at your buddy Ernie. Very nice. And you don't have any special projects right now, do you? Yeah. Uh, about to start a project, but it's a secret. And uh, it's I'm kind of going back to my uh, one of my favorite passions, which is videography. So, nice. um, yeah, I'll probably have something to announce next time, I think. Nice. Yeah. Well, if it's anything like this episode of The Crash Couch, then it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next time on The Crash Couch. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye now.